0: All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Pertzer, I want to give a shout out to a few more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn. For a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all weather performance. With premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations, so you can rep your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize, check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And folks, this segment of the show was sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
1: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA TOUR Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA TOUR Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATOURSUPERSTORE.COM. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
0: All right, now back in making his second appearance with me here on Next on the tee is PGA TOUR legend Tom Pertzer. Had such a great time with Tom when he joined me a few months ago that I wanted to get him back on the show as quickly as I could. Let me remind you about his background. He's from Des Moines, Iowa, played his college golf at Arizona State from 1970 to 73, turned pro a little bit later on in that year in 73, got his first tour victory at the 1977 Glen Campbell LA Open, won that golf tournament by one stroke over Lanny Watkins. Tom won five times on the PGA Tour, four more times on the Champions Tour. In all, he had 15 professional wins, and he's always been known as having the sweetest swing on tour. And it's a huge thrill to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey Tom, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Hi Chris, how are you doing? Love love being on I'm your show. I'm fantastic. How are you? I I feel I feel pretty honored to be behind to follow T P and then the consummate golf professional Bob Ford. Um he you know, he's 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 the classiest I'm I'm I think he's the classiest professional that I know. Um, you know the he can he can play as good as anybody and uh, just the nicest man you'd
0: ever want to meet. Yeah, and I certainly second that. And uh, Tom Patrick talked about it uh, as we segued into Mr. Ford's segment. But um, yeah, he's he's a wonderful man, and very honored that he would come back and, and join me a second time. Just like I'm honored that you're back for a second time tonight. <laughs> Catch us up, Tom. What's been going on with you this summer?
1: Oh, not much. Just uh, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of in that stage where I'm, I enjoy being retired, but I'm getting bored. So I'm trying to figure out the next step in the, in the, in my next chapter in my life. But, um, I'm having fun. Uh, I still play a little bit, um, practice quite a bit. You know, you always, you always think you can get better. So uh, I think that's kind of, kind of what is in the back of my mind.
0: Tom, I want to take you back tonight uh, to some more of uh, the highlights from your career. And I want to start with the 1991 Colonial Tournament. You made one of the greatest birdies I've ever seen, maybe one of the greatest birdies of all time, on the 13th hole. You hold out from the bunker. You had a downhill lie from the back part of the bunker, not much room to take a backswing with that putter. And you put it and it goes over the lip and into the bottom of the cup. And the the great Ben Wright, I saw the video and Ben Wright, who's a wonderful friend of the show, and he was commentating on that shot. And he said, he'll dream about that shot for years and tell his grandchildren about it. Talk about that shot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was, uh, <clears throat> I hit a pretty good shot off the tee. I just hit it, kind of caught it too good and it got oh, went over the green and kind of went back up the hill and it kind of lodged on a little a little pebble instead of coming back down to the bottom of the bunker so I was kind of stuck I'm now I'm hitting up a down slope and there's water right behind the pin and you know it, it's one of those shots that uh you know <clears throat> Watson was in the same bunker and you know he's one of the he was one of the best bunker players ever so, um, I, I, I kind of thought, you know, I was putting pretty good. So I figured if I could just get it down anywhere near, you know, five feet inside five feet, something like that, I, I, that's all I want. Cause I think I could, I felt like I could have made it, but you know, I got in there with the sand wedge and I'm going, mm, I don't like the, <laughs> you know, it was, I was a decent bunker player then, but I mean, you know, in that situation, I think I might have been like one shot ahead at the time and I was, you know, I was nervous as a, as, as a cat. And, um, so I, I kind of got in there and I got going and go, Oh, no, I don't think I can, I don't want to do that. So then I saw and I, there was no lift there. There was, it was just a nice gentle, the, the, you know, the bunker had been raked up. So there was no lift. And I go, shoot, if I can just get this out of the bunker downhill, if I can just get it kind of on the green, it'll get somewhere around the hole. And, uh, you know, I got in there and, you know, I don't know, I felt, felt pretty good over it and hit a good putt and it just came out perfect. And, um, and, you know, luck would luck have it. It it went in the hole, which, which ultimately kind of won the tournament for me, but, um, it it was kind of funny. They, I got a, I got a call from Julie Inkster about two months after that, uh, maybe two or three months after they were playing the ladies open there that year. And she was all upset at me for, she said, you can't believe what they did to this bunker. Um, you know, there, there was no, there was a gigantic lip there, you know, and, um, so there was no way of, of, uh, putting the ball out of there. And, you know, lately I've I just seen, they just had a PGA. Tour just had a little blurb on, on that bunker and it's totally different now. It's a, like you, I think like you said earlier, it's a big, huge bunker with big lip. And, um, yeah, there's, I don't, I don't think the members thought kindly of me knocking that in, but it, the other thing that was funny is I went and did a, I went and did a, um, uh, I went and did a, the media day for them the next year and they took me out there and, Said we want you to reenact this, um, you know, and they 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 made it so that I could putt out of there, and I made it on my fourth ball. So it was I, I, wow. I could I could be I could be here and I could hit a hundred putts wouldn't go in, but on the fourth ball it went in. So it was pretty funny. I know, it must have been an easy shot. <laughs>
0: well, I also saw the PGA Tour tried to recreate that. Right, I saw a video earlier this year where they had several players in that bunker trying to recreate that shot and none of them could do it
1: yeah it was uh, totally it was you know 100 100 percent different it was you know huge lift and it was a much bigger bunker i was surprised they made it uh, you know that big but yeah totally no no way they could even barely put it out of there but that was pretty funny
0: tom we're on the heels of the open championship so i want to Take you back to 1982 at the Open Championship at Royal Troon. You finished tied for fourth that week, and uh, you were one of only a handful of guys to break par for the tournament. If it wasn't for a bit of a struggle in the first round, you probably win that championship. What do you remember about that week? Well,
1: um, the the biggest thing was um, I, I felt good when I, was, I, you know, I went over, had to qualify, uh, played at a great golf great golf course called Western Gales. And got through that qualifier and then went over and played. And I, I liked the golf course right away. I felt good, you know, and I had a, a good caddy. And I think his name was Jimmy. He was actually the the um caddy master at Western Gale. You know, he said, hey, if you get in, I'll caddy for you over there. And he was an older gentleman. And I actually, I think he told me that he caddied for Arnold there in the, I don't know, 50, in the, whenever they played at Trune in the 50s. And, um, so he was, you know, very knowledgeable guy. And so we got along good. And, uh, yeah, that first round was, uh, was, uh, you know, kind of killed me, but I, I didn't realize it was my first open over there and I didn't realize that, you know, traffic got a little bad coming in there tournament days because, you know, when on my practice rounds, I kind of breezed in there, there was only one way in and one way out and. Um, so I got there and I was in traffic for over an hour. I got to the, I got to the parking lot with 15 minutes before my tea time. Wow. Didn't get to hit any practice balls or anything. I think I might have hit a couple of putts and, and took off, you know, and shot 76. And, you know, it's a little bit discouraged, but then, you know, I kind of, I still felt like I was playing good and I, I wanted to make the cut in my first British open. So shot 66 the second round and, and you know, I, I, I played pretty good after that. I think I had a, not a great round on Saturday either. Uh, I think, um, maybe I shot 74 or 5 or something, but, and then I played good on the last day. But the one thing I do remember is 17, pretty good parking. Yes. Yeah. And, and I hit a, I hit a two iron, which I'm sure they're hitting probably seven irons to so that green now, but I had to hit a two iron and I hit it about six inches away. Almost went in. And so I made two there and then made a good par on the last hole to finish uh tied for, what, third or fourth or something. To, uh, but it was a great experience. I, I loved playing over there. I I, always, I I enjoyed playing the British Open. Um, You know, it was, it was hard for me because I'm a highball hitter. I grew up in Arizona where we get no wind here. So, you know, you can hit it as high as you want. And, um, but, so I, I, you know, I had to play a little different game, but that was the challenge of, of the British Open.
0: And you played in that Open at uh, Truyn again in '97. So I'm curious, Tom, you had several cracks at the eighth hole. You know, people refer to it as the postage stamp. It's the shortest hole in Open Championship play, only 123 yards thereabouts. What's it like trying to get it on that green? <laughs> it, I equate it
1: with that green uh, 17 at TPC. Yeah, it's kind of an either or. And the thing about it is over there, you got wind to contend with. You know, you're hitting a short iron. And like I said, I, I didn't have that, you know, that knock down pitching way. So it was, a, it was quite a challenge for me. But, um, I don't, I think I might have hit the green one day out of the four. Uh, but I, I kind of, I kind of equate it to, you know, trying to get it on the green on 17 at TPC.
0: And Tom, one thing that, um, folks may not remember, but prior to 1990, there was a different size golf ball played over on the European tour, just a little bit smaller than the ball that we're all used to. Did you ever have to play the smaller ball?
1: I, I think when my, I, the first year I played there, I think you could still play it, but nobody played it. It was, it was really hard to play. It was not only smaller, but it was lighter. So, um, it, it made it, it was a challenge. I don't know how those guys played with that ball before <laughs> um uh but I think the the year I played i think we could you could play either one if i'm i'm not if I'm not mistaken, but i've hit i've played around with it, and I didn't like it at all i mean it was um i I much preferred the our ball um but i I never did have to play it in a in a competitive round so uh i feel kind of fortunate in that you know everybody talked about that it went longer and it was better in the wind and i i didn't i didn't see that um but i don't know
0: tom we'll fast forward to 1991 you finished fourth on the money list that year you won the world series of golf in a playoff over jim gallagher jr and davis love the third you three were the only ones to finish the tournament under par. You tied at one under and you would go on to win with a par in the second playoff hole. Talk about that win at Firestone. And, you know, from what I see from the scores, must have been playing like a monster that
1: week. Well, you know, it was always back then. It was always the longest, uh, course that we played all year. Um, and it was, you know, it was tough as heck. It was, a, it was really a great golf course. But, I mean, you had to, you know, you fired up your long iron almost, almost every other shot you felt like you were hitting a three or four iron into a par four. Um, but, you know, it was a great, it, it was a great win for me. It really set up the rest of my career on the PGA tour because I was 40 and I got a 10 year exemption. So that, that set me up right to the, uh, to the champions tour. And, um, I, I got hurt. 90, 91 was my best year and I got hurt the first week of, uh, first week in January at 92 and kind of wasn't, didn't really, wasn't the same, uh, after that. But, you know, I, I remember a lot of things about that round. How, um, you know, I just played steady. I didn't, um, and I, I love those kind of tournaments like U.S. Open, stuff like that, where you didn't have to shoot 20 under par to, to win. Because like you said earlier, you know, the putter was a little, my putter was a little dodgy <laughs> at that time. And, um, but I hit it, I hit it really good that, that week. And then I remember, you know, going to the playoff with Davis Love, who was, you know, great, great player at that, at that time. And I mean, still is. uh um, And then Jimmy Gallagher, and I was fortunate because, and he hit it in the, uh first fairway maybe. He hit it way way right. And then uh Davis hit second I think and he hit a kind of a little hook in the tree. So um I felt pretty good about it and I I just killed a drive right down the middle and um they kinda had tough second shots and uh I just, you know, hit my I don't know what I hit, nine iron or something my, for my second shot. And uh but, you know, that was one of those one of those memories that I'll never, uh, I'll never forget. You know, it was a huge win for me. Uh, and, um, it, you know, just, just a great week.
0: Tom, for, for our listeners who don't know what it's like to have to tee it up with a persimmon driver and a ballata ball versus, you know, what we have today, talk about what that was like and how much the variation is between the clubs that you grew up playing and the clubs that kids today now grow up playing <laughs> well
1: it I kind of feel like it, we were in the dark ages it was a uh, totally different game um you had to hit in the middle of the club face you know with your driver um you know they they had bulge and roll on on drivers that that tried to help you you know make hit off center hit and still be in okay shape, but um you know, and i don't I, I think it's great that how how these the kids play now I mean this is what the equipment that they have, but um certainly, you know Jack Nicholas and um you know Watson Johnny Miller and all those guys they played a much different tough, duff a much tougher game than the guys are playing now um not to take anything away. I mean, um, but it, it was a totally different, you know, the balls, uh, balls were, you know, a lot different. Um, uh, and, and, you know, you're playing with 43 and a half inch steel shafted wood clubs, uh, that were heavy. And, um, uh, you know, you, you, you really had to hit it in the middle of the club face to be any good at all. Um, so uh it it was a uh, you know and it's it's kind of hard to compare the two uh now but you, you know you wonder if jack Nicholas or or any of those you know great players had the equipment that they have now what what they would have done with that maybe would have been scary you know I, I i love watching the kids play these days i i went out specifically i went to the phoenix open specifically this year just to watch colin marikawa play um, I had heard a lot about him. Uh Willy Wood's a good friend of mine and you know, and he gives me the scoop on all all the young kids who to who to watch and, and uh who are the good guys and stuff and I specifically went out there to watch him and uh, it's kinda neat to to see what what he's done, uh how he's handled this year.
0: Going back for just a moment on the comment about uh persimmon drivers, that's where the phrase hit it in the screws came from, right? Because they literally had four screws in the face of the driver. If you could catch it on the screws, you could get a little extra distance.
1: Yeah, and and you and you knew if you didn't, you know, you could you definitely <laughs> felt. But um, yeah, it was it was a different game. It really was. Um, uh, pretty much everything was different. I mean, you know, we played. We had two and three irons versus the rescue rescue clubs that the guys use now. You know, and how much easier they're they are to hit than, you know, two iron and three irons and, um you know, again, not to take anything away from them, but it certainly, it certainly was a much tougher game then.
0: Tom, as an Arizona State alumni, were you heartbroken for John Rahm at the Memorial, then thrilled for him at the U.S. Open? Is he a guy that you follow because you both played there? Sure. Yeah, I, I really haven't,
1: I've never met John. Uh, I've seen him um but i i never have had the privilege to meet him but um great kid uh he's done a lot arizona state and he's had a great career i i was heartbroken at, at memorial uh what what a shame you know i don't and it, i i just don't know you know i don't think the tour handled that um in a very good manner uh you know from from the very start when they caught him right coming off right off 18th green that should have been something that happened in the in the scorers tent. Um, what they did to him on 18th green was that was that was awful, and it was uh, classless. And you know, I, and my my thought is, you know, if he doesn't have symptoms, let him play by himself on on the last round. I know why they didn't do it, you know, because they would have caught grief from the country for for you know a guy testing positive. And letting it play. But, you know, if he, if he doesn't have symptoms and he, you know, just let him, you know, him up by himself, let him play the last round by himself. I don't know. There, there had to be some other, you know, he's got a six shot lead. He just shot 63 on the great golf course. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer was, but I, it, it just, it kind of broke my heart. But then. You know, Karma comes back and he wins the U.S. Open the next week on a, on a, you know, really tough golf course. And, uh, um, you know, that was, that was great to see.
0: Tom, back when you played, there was no track man data. There were no devices. You know, I don't know if anyone even heard of the term spin rate back at the time or smash factor or any of that stuff. Heck, you guys didn't even have video so you could watch your swings when, when things would go wrong with your ball flight. How did you deal with it? How'd you figure it out? Well, I think, you know, we
1: relied on, um, we had, you know, most of us had teachers and I was lucky enough to have a really good teacher in, in Peter Costas and, um, you know, some Hank Johnson and some other guys, my brother. Um, so you'd kind of rely on them. Um, it's funny but when we would, I don't know, eight, we'd had these eight millimeter cameras. So. You'd take some, you'd take some film and then you, you'd have them developed and a week later you could look at them. <laughs> um, it, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have much technology back then. And I mean, I was with for a lot of years and we'd, we'd go back to Chicopee and we'd watch them grind the head and we'd get the club six months later. You know, they, it, they'd go through that, have to go through the process and, and everything. And I mean, now you, now, You can get a new set of irons in, uh, on tour. You can get them, you know, in three or four hours. So, you know, the technology's changed a lot, but you know, you relied, you basically relied on, um, feel, you know, your feel and you relied on, on, on great eyes of, of teachers. Um, and that, you know, it was, uh, you know, you, you, you didn't make a swing and then go back and look at your, ipad right away um or get get the data off of the uh, track man um you know i i don't know i think it's taken some of the feel away. i mean these guys play great but i I think like i I practice out at tpc and you know four out of the five kids have track men they're behind there when they're hitting shots and you know every shot they get their phone out and they look and see what what it was, you know, what their results were on that swing. So, I don't know. I, I think it's it's taken a little bit away from um, you know, just the feel and hitting shots and um, you know, stuff like that. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's good because it tells them, you know, I mean, you can go you can go somewhere and, and 20 minutes they can give you a shaft and a head, a driver head and a shaft that that match what you want to do. And you can hit it 15 yards further, 20 yards further. So technology, it's kind of hard to stop technology, but I'm not sure it's
0: good for the game. Tom, before I let you go, talk about your golf academy and what you're doing now. You know, that's
1: mostly my brother's, uh, that's my brother's. And I help him, um, you know, when he, when he needs help with it, I help him a little bit, but I like teaching. I enjoy teaching, um, I found out that it's really hard for me to take a beginner and teach somebody, but, uh, I like to fine tune guys swings and, um, that's really enjoyable for me. And I like to, you know, I was never a great somebody that had a, a really good handle on psychology, golf psychology, but, um, you know, I kind of, I, I tried real hard with it. So I I'm to the point now where I can, I can help somebody, uh, you know, golf psychology, I can help them, you know, maybe, maybe manage their game better and, and try and stay, you know, a little more positive. I mean, you know, as well as anybody that golfers tend to get down on themselves and that doesn't really help the situation.
0: Right. Tom, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the things you're doing and, uh. Whether that's to reach out to you about a about a lesson or just follow you on social media
1: yeah i'm I'm on Instagram and I'm on facebook um and I spend way too much time on facebook. I know that <laughs> but um <laughs> i i you know i going you know i'm I'm probably gonna start helping my brother a little bit more schools they you know with the covid those those that all that stuff kind of went away um and it's it's slowly coming back but um we do we do some corporate outings and and that's fun you know where we get uh we get a corporation and and we get you know whether they it's a bonus for for you know for the a job well done that they get to go to they get to come to the school and stuff but we do some of those and uh and that's always fun you know my brother's a, really a good teacher and um and and we have a lot of fun doing them uh so we're we're trying to get that fired back up so yeah, I mean we'd love to do you know, some more um some more outings and um um you know, we have a good time doing it and usually the the people that come and, and are with us, they have a good time too.
0: Well Tom, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a lot of fun when you're a part of the segment. Hope you'll come back and do it again well, soon.
1: Thanks, Chris. I you you've got a great show. I'm I'm a listener now. Um and uh, it's like TP said, you're the best. And, um, I, I really enjoy coming on the show. And, uh, anytime, anytime I can help, anytime
0: I can come on, I'll, I'll be happy to. Thanks well, again. Thank you very much for all of that. Thank you. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to catching up soon. Okay. Thanks. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Pertzer and folks. Um, you know, like we've said throughout this show, a guy who had the sweetest swing. Of anybody, probably of any era, you can probably match it right up against the great Ben Hogan for how sweet his swing and tempo and rhythm all were, and then had a great career on the PGA Tour, and then and then extended that over on the Champions Tour, and uh, had some really great finishes in majors as well. And on top of all of that, and probably more important than any of that, is he's a great father and just a great person. So... I can't thank Tom enough for uh, coming back and being a part of the show, and I hope I get the privilege of having him back again soon.